Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. All right, good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you. Uh Uh-oh, is my volume working? Yes, it is. Phew. For a moment there, I thought I had audio problems. Again, it's all good. Yay. Um, Hey, if you're watching, say hello uh, in the comments, and I'll give you a shout-out soon. I saw Catherine Rupke was the first one to pop in. Uh, Where's home for you, Catherine? I forget where you live. She's watching from YouTube. I can see where people are commenting from from YouTube or from Facebook. Um, Secondly, Many of you are uh, friends with a friend who's been on the show here, Paul Gray. Um, Paul Gray is in hospital right now, and he's having a rough, rough go. So uh, let's just pray for him today. Uh, Keep him in your prayers uh, all day, all week, whenever God brings it to your mind. In fact, you know, when people ask me, hey, can you pray for me? I'll always say yes, because I believe the Holy Spirit's big enough to get our attention to remind us to keep praying for something or someone. May the same thing be true for Paul. Uh, love his wife and uh, Kitsy and uh, uh, and Paul. I met Paul a couple, number of years ago. Great guy. He's he's been on our program many times, um, but he's having a really rough go. And so yeah, I don't have all the well. I don't want to share all the details because that's not what's most important right now. But uh, his wife said I could mention it uh, today, and just want to keep you all in prayer for that and make you aware of it. All right, let's get into this. Hey, Chuck, uh, good to see you on. Where are you watching from, Chuck? I'd love to be reminded of that. I've got great memory. It's just short. So <laughs> um, just make your comment. Just When you comment, say, hey, watching from such and such a place, that'd be great. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sorry about last week. Last week, ju- it just wasn't possible. I had an event that took me an hour to drive through, drive to, so it took, I had to leave when this show program began. So I was like, oh, I can't do it. So... Today is going to be part two of a conversation I had with Richard Murray on evangelism and myths and thoughts. Uh, Last week we touched on Paul speaking at Mars Hill. And man, it was good. Um, Evangelism is not what you think it is. (laughs) Not at all. And so, uh, hey, Catherine. Yay. Yeah. Thanks, Catherine. Oh, Catherine. Oh, Catherine. Seriously? Good grief. (laughs) I'm thrilled you're watching. That's awesome. She's, uh, she's uh, one of my favorite people uh, I've gotten to know in the last number of months. Uh, anyway, I'll leave that alone. Uh, she's local here to where I am. She's about probably a 10-minute walk. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, now, see? Look, a squirrel. Um, let's get back to this. This conversation on evangelism, um, it sparks in me one of the the p- pillars, one of the... the um, supporting walls that has to come down in the system of religion because it's used as a control mechanism. If you didn't listen to last week, go back and watch it. I'm Once the program is finished, I'm going to try and edit uh, the comments and, not comments, the uh, description 
and put that link to part one in there. The two go together really well, but an hour, hour and 10 minute program is way too long. Um, these conversations I'm trying to keep to 30, 35 minutes. So doing the best I can. Um, so with that, let's jump in. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this uh, part two conversation. So here we go. All right, Richard, thank you for joining me again. This is uh, fun. We're going to do part two of... Uh, what we started last time, we were talking about Mars Hill a little bit and how you were, why don't you just reshare just for a quick second, because I like how you worded that uh, extra altar or temple that you were talking about there, because that was really good. Right. Just that Paul walked through and he saw all the, all the temples to the various Roman gods. And he was, uh, he was vexed. It says that was the word, the translation. He was vexed of spirit, but he didn't say anything and he didn't condemn them. But then he came to the temple of the unknown God, and that's where he honed in on, because he knew their humility that this would, that there is a God that we we don't know that's bigger than the other gods. And their poets, the the Roman poets and the Greek poets, had said this is a God in whom we 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 live and we move and we have our being, a transcendent God, but a God that we don't know that's inscrutable. And if you look at every religion. Every religion has something that they call the inscrutability of God, that the mysterious ways of God would be what the Bible calls it, the ways that we can't fathom. There is a temple to the unknown God in every human heart. And, and, you know, it's, and again, it takes effort to have a temple. So there's an acknowledgement, there's an admission, there's a humility, a, hey, we may, we may worship these other gods and it may be the best we've been able to cope with. But we know there's something better and brighter and truer and higher and deeper uh, th than this. And we're, we so believe it that we're going to be open to it. We're going to build a temple and wait for that temple to be filled with the knowledge. So the, the whole idea being that we can share Jesus with the, as the this is the unknown God who has made himself known in the incarnation. And that way we don't have to stop at every other temple and spit on it or say, tear that temple down. Yeah. We don't even have to talk about those temples. We just need to move past them and introduce them to Jesus and then let the voice of Jesus take them to wherever they need to go, wherever they're willing to go, wherever they're able to go. So all we need to do is find that temple when we're talking to somebody, when we're ministering to somebody about when they say, well, you know, there is a, there's a whole big thing to God that I don't know. And if we can camp out there and interact with them there, then goodness gracious, They'll know Jesus. They will introduce him to Jesus. And then we can get out of the way. I think we've misunderstood the words of Jesus just before we went up to heaven as recorded in our text. Um, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. It does not say go and make converts. And unfortunately, almost every kind of evangelism program is about making converts say the prayer, Harry Potter incantation. That's what <laughs> it is. It, it, yeah. I know it's blunt, but I'm sorry. That's what it tends to be. Say the words and you're in. And wow. oh, by the way, then I get to notch my belt. So I'll go back to your home church. Look how many people I want to Christ. And one of the things I have learned, I'm sorry for the rabbit trail. One thing I have learned, it's it. no one leads anyone to Christ. No one person leads anyone. In fact, it's a whole group of people in that person's history. One person comes into their life right when they couldn't care less about anything about God. And that person opens the door to some kind of spirituality that there may be something else. So, wow, that person brought them one step. Another person takes them to another gateway and so on and so on. And then the one person who happens to be there when they say the prayer, if you want to call it that, um, they look, I won this person to Christ. No, you didn't. It was the Holy Spirit using 
a beautiful tapestry of art and pictures and color in that person's life at the right time to reveal love. And so if it doesn't look like love, it ain't God, you know, and I love, go ahead. No, no, no. Amen. I mean, I, you know, the new Testament says over and over again, you know, one sows, another reaps, One, one, one sows, another cultivates waters, you know, waters, the garden. Jesus said that to the woman at the well or uh, to the disciples at that time. Yeah. They're waiting for her to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you are guards, you are, you you know, Paul said, you are God's garden, you know, and, 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 um, you know, the person who comes and may put in the sickle has done nothing. It was already done. It was already worked. It's as you said, I mean, it's Holy spirit work. It's just all we are, are agents of recognition. We, we, you know, we, we try to help people recognize, you know, when the most significant moment in my life um, would be when I was at the Toronto revival and mm. I had a prophetic moment with the Lord there where some, they prayed for me, you know, it was really big. Toronto was really big on, yep. on, imparting, on, on imparting life changing uh, vision to people. And my vision was, and I've shared it with you before, but my vision was that he took me back to my wrestling days in high school and you know, back to my wrestling coach, who was my hero growing up. My dad was my hero too, but not like my wrestling coach because I had been very overweight as a young child and too big to play football. I weighed too much. They wouldn't even let me play football in the, in the, in, in the, um, wow. uh, uh, in the uh, pop Warner leagues. So uh, I never got to play and I was overweight and people made fun of me. And I just, but then when I went into high school, it's like I, I slimmed up overnight. I slimmed up and I became an athlete overnight, but I'd never, you know, all I, I, I mean, I, I remember the days when the, everyone in the class would run around me making fun of me, you know. Um, and uh, so anyway, my wrestling coach in eighth grade, in those days, high school began in the eighth grade. Okay. And uh, my wrestling coach took me under his wing, took me home. He saw something in me. And, you know, he was my hero. I felt loved, you know. And, um, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, he'll always have a special place in my heart. But anyhow, the Lord in my vision in Toronto that they gave me, he took me back to when I was um, in a wrestling match. Uh, my wrestling coach, our high school closed down when I was in the ninth grade and uh, I had to go to another high school and my coach went to another high school to coach them. Well, fast forward to my junior year and I'm wrestling a monster whose name is John Harms. And, you know, that the whole thing was staying out of harm's way. He was mm-hmm. the strongest human being. And he was a senior. He was a year older than me. But he was, he was, he was just a monster. And I, I'm, I'm walking out on the mat to face him. And all of a sudden, my coach is behind me. You know, my new coach is behind me. You know, he's been my coach for a couple of years at that point. I look over to the third corner of the mat, and my, my coach had come. My old coach had come. I didn't know where he came from. He was there clapping me on. You know, and, you know, I can't, and the Lord quickened that image to me, Mike, to show me that you talk about the God, the unknown God, that he had been with me my whole life. Mm. He'd been with me in that wrestling match. He had been with me everywhere else, but I just hadn't known it. I hadn't known he was there. So what, what this whole thing showed me was that he's always been there, that he's always been concerned, that everything my wrestling coach thought about me, he thought, the Lord thought a hundred times more than that about me. You know, and all of that, that moment, Mike, when I had that interaction with the Lord, that's when the goodness of God was birthed in me. That's when I've heard, and that's why I can't, I can't accept the, anything 
when people talk about the cruelties of God. You know, I, I'm not believing it. That's not the God who's touched me. And it's not the God who's revealed himself to me. It's the God who's always been there, you know. And uh, so that's all we want. We want to take people to show where, and I'm sure to what you've been through. You know, uh, I mean, I wouldn't presume to speak for you, but I know that God must must have shown you that, Goodness, that, yep. yeah, that he was there. You know, that he was there co-suffering and co-grieving and co uh, lamenting. I, I didn't. I didn't have language for that for a long time, but I knew internally he was there. Um, I know there was times when I had switched from my Baptist church to the Pentecostal church, and I got a lot more hellfire and brimstone out of those Pentecostal youth meetings than ever. And so I had to go home and really think through. You know, got saved over and over again. You know, said the prayer multiple times, burned all my secular music, all that fun stuff. Um, but there were some messages that were shared that something didn't sit right, but I trusted the leader because they had such a passion for Jesus, but something didn't sit right. And hell was one of those topics, you know, demons was one of those topics. And so I, I never connected the dots till many years later and realized that had been there the whole time. Those questions or questioning that category, I was never allowed to. And so back to your the temple of the unknown God, I think the, the Western Evangelical Church doesn't allow a temple like that or an altar for that because it's the, it's the yeah. they have altars of absolutes called doctrines. And so they have all these doctrines sitting around that you must agree with or you must leave. You know, even to the point that you can't even have communion with us if you don't, if you're not a member of this church, like it's nuts. But the idea of showing there's a menu item that we were never told, it's like having the dessert menu brought to you because it's not on the main one, but suddenly there's a menu, would you like dessert? And it maybe it might've been five things on the actual menu, but then the waiter brings you a dessert menu and you go, oh, no way. I didn't know. And so Paul is sharing something, not pointing out everything that they're wrong about, but pointing, here's the dessert menu you didn't realize was there, but in your gut, you knew there was more. Exactly. That is perfectly put because, you know, that's not intimidating. You no. Know, because you're not saying that what you've eaten before is, is completely poison or completely bad. You're not even commenting on it. Yep. You're just saying there's there's another, yeah, that the dessert thing is perfect. Can we use that also for our doctrines of deconstruction in the same way that um, when people get mad at us for, uh, they're saying, well, you're you're turning into a heretic, you're, you don't love God, you don't love the church, in fact, you don't respect the Bible, and all we're doing is say, hey, there's a, a dessert menu you didn't know about. I'm, I don't want to argue with all those other things. I'm showing you the dessert menu for Pete's sake, yeah. and it's good, you know, good. it's called love. <laughs> That, that dessert evangelism. <laughs> I like that. Hey, it's just going around giving, giving, giving the dessert menu. Hey, whatever you believe, you know, you've already digested it. It is what it is. But it's it offensive to people. You know not of. Yeah, but it's offensive <laughs> to the staunch certain, right? Those that are certain about what they think they believe because it's written down. Because we were given all these evangelism tracks. I went through evangelism explosion. Good grief way back in the days, you know, I went through um, all kinds. There's like five or six really big evangelism things, including handing out those, those really silly tracks, those chick publication ones, Yeah, which yeah. I just saw one the other day again. It's like, are you kidding? Scare the hell out of you instead of love? Come on. I just, 
I'm really angry with a system of religion that makes God look like a really mean person. Um, and only the in crowd gets to be the snobby included. And they're known for what they exclude, not include. Yeah. So that should be well, a telltale sign for what's the message you're hearing, right? Yeah. I'll never forget. It was uh, C.S. Cowles uh, who wrote a book on the character of God, but he, he talked about the Hubble telescope and uh, how the Hubble telescope was a, what do they call it? A boondoggle because they had put the mirror, one of the mirrors on backwards. Uh, and it totally was, it was useless in the beginning until they went up and repaired it. But it was one little mirror turned the wrong way. And that was, you talk about the fear-based religion. Mm. That is exactly that. You, it's, it's true. And it, it, and it renders the whole thing inert because you're, you're sharing fear. You're sharing a fear-based religion. And that shut down. You are not looking into the cosmos. You're not seeing the cosmos of God. Yep. You know, you're, you're looking at your, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's just a backward inverted maladjustment. And I think, you know, I think we turned the mirror, Christianity turned the mirror around sometime when Christianity became the state religion. You know, I think mm -hmm. that that's in the, uh, when it began empire, you know, the religion of empire and go conquer in this name, the mirror got turned around and people don't realize that it's turned around yeah. and, and, and not knowing that if we just turn it this way, if we turn the mirror away into his goodness, we're transformed into that image, glory yeah. to glory, you know? So, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's a delicate evangelism. Really, it, it tends to be indelicate, you know, mm -hmm. let's be honest. Evangelism is so canned and it's so structured and it's so aggressive and it's so tone deaf largely yeah. that it's, it's ineffective. But still people can get saved. Still people do find yeah. the Lord. But but it's not it's not the way of the spirit. It's not the way of the early church. It's not the way of preaching, you know, fear. Uh it, it's a way of introducing people to the unknown God. And uh and, but and then, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, and then just oh. trusting that God takes them from there. And I love what you said about making, you know, making uh, disciples to the convert, disciples to his spirit, you know. <laughs> you know, this is the only whatever good that I minister to you comes from his spirit operating through me, the same spirit that wants to operate in you. You be, don't be a respecter of any man, be a respecter of all men, but not be a respecter of any one man over another. I was uh, kind of laughing at how churches compare to other churches. You know, they say, well, that church does this and we believe this and you always do this us versus them. Um, and you compare notes of how many people you've baptized or all that stuff. But then I realized like two weeks ago that Jesus is listening to the, to the religious Pharisees who are counting, keeping track of how many disciples are being baptized, not Jesus doing, but his disciples. And they're doing more than what they are. And it's like, wait a minute, this has been going on for 2000 years. It's got nothing to do with the church, right? Exactly. Bizarre exactly. comparisons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, the most important book other than the Bible that I've ever read is Martin Buber's I Thou. And he was a Hasidic Jew. Buber was. And his whole, his whole, and, and see, his book influenced Christians and Jews in hmm. the 70s and 80s. It was phenomenal. But his whole thing was, he called it the realm of the between, hmm. that everything is about the realm of the between between you and me right now, there's a realm of the between going on where we're interacting and we're, 
you know, we're blending and, 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 and we're growing and we're evolving and we're illuminating each other. And, and so with God, the realm of the between, you know, it's I and thou. And he, he would contrast the I and thou with the I and it. Mm. The I and it was when we treat reality like an it, you know, like we treat God like an it. We treat each other like an it. Impersonal. Like, yeah, impersonal. An object to be conquered. Yes. Versus I, and you know, I don't know if you've heard this before, but he got the, the, the seed of this revelation came when he was working on one of his books as a professor and uh, a student came up and wanted to talk to him. Uh, he was having some distress and, and uh, he said he was in a hurry and he didn't really have time. So Boober said, I just gave him routine advice and kind of ushered him out. Well, the boy went and he killed himself. And that forever changed Boober's view of it. I mean, he just had deep regret that he didn't take time with the boy, mm. you know, and interact with him and experience that realm of the, between the empathy mm. and the, you know, and the ministry and the, and the, and the encouragement. Uh, and he vowed that he would never do that again. You know, so, so that whole thing was birthed out of a, you know, this idea of truly seeking to interact with each other and with God. And, and who really talks about interacting with God much anymore? You know, we're so, and evangelism could be the biggest stick in that. You know, it can be, you said the thing, now you're there and you're there, but, but uh, uh, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you hear. You're there. You're saved. Just believe it. You know, no, 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 no. There's a weaving you know, there's a weaving together with God, a realm of, of a mutuality, a participation in each other's presence. So what if you're yeah. like a bottle in, a, in an ocean near the shore? The waves move and the bottom moves just gently and back a little bit and then forward a little bit. Eventually hits the shore or goes out to sea. But the bottle is at the will of the wave or the yeah. move of the ocean and the currents, right? Suddenly this other current comes and takes it off to China. Like, you don't know. It's gone. Yeah. But the the control of the bottle you know like we're we're like bottles and if we try to control and put on a trolling motor and head in a certain direction that we're not intended to go god still works with that he's still good at redirecting and getting us to where his original goal is however that works i don't want to over overshoot or oversell this how does the will of god look because i think it's it's got multiple ways of seeing it it's it's not so certain <laughs> i used to be certain yeah about it. Um, but there's a mystical walking with feeling. And, and so when it comes to evangelism, I'm just going to ask you this. What do you tell people then that, that ask the question, what about evangelism? Do I need to share the gospel? Because it seems to imply in scripture I'm supposed to. And which will lead me to the question, what is the gospel? <laughs> um, which then leads me to, okay, we're called to declare the reconciliation. Is that the gospel? So what which one is it? How would, how would we address it? Do we just not talk about it? Do we just say, hey, well, you know what? God's got them on the end because universalism, uh, the extremist universalist would say, you know, it, they're all good. You don't have to say the prayer, nothing. You know, when you cross over, fine, we're all in. And that's pretty cold. It's like the extremism, the opposite extremism of Calvinism. It loses all passion and love and compassion. So how would you respond? Oh, to that's that a great question? question. Well, you know, the gospel is defined in different ways by different of the New Testament writers. They each had their own summary of it. My personal favorite is John's in First uh, John, when um, and it's First uh, John one five one six in, in, in that area. Mm. You know where he says, "This is the message that we have heard from the beginning from Him, and now pronounce unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness." Now, mm. listen. When have you ever heard a chick track or anything else say that that's the gospel? You, you, you don't. 
Nope. But I think that as you mature, and maybe when you're young, maybe you see the gospel. You know, you can say it's the, you know, it's a salvation, a gospel of salvation to save you, you know, from the, you know, from, from despair, from oppression, you know, from, I mean, I could see lower levels, you know, you sure. grow there into There's a sense of salvation, but we're not going to talk about that today. There's, there's, that'll be a fun topic too. Yeah. And it's highest expression. And I believe John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He loved all of them, but yep. he was the one who knew he was loved mm. more than the others did. That that's why the, he recognized, you know, that's why he laid on Jesus's breast because he recognized that love and his one line thing was God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he added that all to it yep. because it's not like he's just being philosophical. He wanted to make sure he said there's no darkness in him. And see, if we start from that, from the gospel, then our image of God is one of light and love and lightness and lightness of yoke and lightness of burden. That that is the image of God. And, you know, Tozer, I mean, we've talked about it before, but Tozer said we grow to by a secret law of the soul. We grow to resemble our image of God. So the gospel is about having the right image of God. It's, it's about having the image of the unknown God into a place of knowing it. It's letting that be filled, the unknown God being filled. It's one thing to recognize that there are things about God we don't know. I know there's more out there. But then there's the actual experiential. I'm beginning to know it. I'm beginning to know this God. I see God in the face of Jesus. I see God in the nature of Jesus. I always go to Jesus uh, you know, to when, when, when I'm trying to wrestle through any issue and I'm struggling with something. You know, Jesus is my north. He is, he never, when we hear him rightly, okay, now there are times when I'm, I'm not in the mood to hear him, you know, and I'm not in the mood to go deep, you know, and I'll still keep some armor projected on him, you know, and I'll justify my wrath and my anger and say, well, he's disgusted like I am, you know, but then when I, in calmer moments, as I feel the patience of God working in me, you know, uh, I, I had this, uh, I heard, I, I don't know where I heard this, but I heard somebody say to someone else, don't you get tired of always trying to understand people? You know, it, it was like the person was frustrated because the person wasn't joining with them and hating who they were mad mm. at, you know, but instead the person was challenging them to try to understand the other person, you know, you know, to see like Thomas Paine said, the secret, you know, the secret tragedies and the secret sins of our enemies, you know, how that would change the way we feel about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh Anyway, I, I, I just I, I love that idea of, uh, of just an unveiling. You know, I, I've really been writing a lot lately about this concept of unfurling. You know, I, we ever, I don't know if we've talk, talked about that before, but there's nope. there's a there's a plant in Australia starts with a K, Koirai or something like that. And the, the plant furls up, it's completely furled up, but then as it blossoms, it unfurls. Mm. And I really think that that's what the kingdom of God is. I think Jesus is the unfurling of the, of the known God. You know, he's, he's unknown. We know him in a furled state right now, but he's unfurling. And, and we, as the body of Christ, each generation, we, we either, we either hasten the unfurling, we speed it along or we slow it up. Mm-hmm. But the kingdom of God is unfurling. Now, we all want it to unfurl quicker. But, you know, Peter says, Peter said, you can hasten the day of the Lord. Your faith and diligence can hasten the day of the Lord. It can make it come sooner. So I always try to encourage people that, you know, we're here to see that God is light and no, no darkness at all. And, and the practical implications of that is that we don't attribute evil to him, that we don't attribute oppression to him, that we don't attribute darkness to him. 
and then let that image of God do its work in us. Things will start to shuck up, shuck off of us. You know, you know what that? Do you know what that's called? We. Well, yeah, we become the gospel until the gospel sets in us and we believe and know. Then we not until then can we even speak the gospel because we haven't learned it and lived it yet. So we yes. become the living gospel. So the question, do I need to? I would say you don't need to, but if you're talking about your ego, you definitely know. But if you're talking about the union, you need to share the gospel. The answer is no again. Because the oneness of Christ will guide you and give you the right cues at the right time when it's time. And there's a lot more shutting up to do than there is talking. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Well said. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's part of the that's part of the I thou thing is that it's not words. Words get in the way. You know, words often mm. uh, often debilitate the, the, the relationship, debilitate the, 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 the time together. Letting words breathe, letting them be spontaneous, listening, mm -hmm. you know, not not listening with an agenda, but listening. You know, if a guy, you know, if a person wants to start telling us anything, it may seem irrelevant to us, but there's the power of listening. And I, I believe the Holy Spirit will tell us where there's an entry yeah. point, but we can't even really focus on that. We just have to focus on listening, listening to what the person is saying. Otherwise, it's an agenda. Yes. Otherwise, it's an agenda. And, you know, and he said, don't prepare, you know, on that day, don't prepare what you're going to say. I'll tell you what to say. I could <laughs> save my Saturday nights from now. on. I don't have to practice anymore. Well, I know. But you know what? It's like these meetings. It's like these podcasts. They're yep. the best when we don't know where we're going. I mean, yeah. we may have some general idea, but the more that you are in it, man, I, I used to kill any time I'd share because I'd have everything prepared, every jot and tittle of mm. it. And I'm not saying it, it was where I was at. I had certain armor on God about that kind of thing. But how much better is it when we're hearing each other mm -hmm. and we're slingshotting off each other? You yeah, know? listening to the union prompt. Yeah. The, oh, I love that. <laughs> the union prompt. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when Paul was saying, you know, we're all children of God, he was speaking the inclusion of the love of God. And... That inclusion works through all humanity. If you cannot believe that inclusion, you can't believe any inclusion. And mm. it's it just shakes up what we thought evangelism was, and it reveals the love of God that holds us all together. It's pretty cool. So well, and and you know, if we if we camp out on the temple to the unknown God as Jesus, and we say, I'm not believing in Buddha, and of course, Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhism doesn't really believe in God anyhow. But I mean, Hindus believe in 50 million gods. I mean, everyone's got a different spiel on it, but it doesn't become necessary for us to attack any other gods. Yeah. It just all we're doing is sharing. There's a God in every human heart, a God shaped vacuum. And you believe I'm, we're not telling you to disbelieve those other things. It's not for us to even tell you that. Yeah. But I do they this. might be part of your path. Like that's the path you're on. Otherwise, you would not have a sense of spirituality. Right. For them, that's their path. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and that takes us advocating manipulation and control that we think we know what's best. We don't know what's best other than we know Jesus. He's best. But for him to be best, we have to get the heck out of the way. Yeah. It, make the introduction, touch him, you know, share, share, you know, share our testimony. I, I believe our testimonies are powerful. Yeah. I believe when we share our testimonies about where God has helped us get past a, a death encounter or an oppression mm -hmm. encounter 
or a pain encounter. Those things are powerful, you know, but, but, but we try to overstretch them and we try to stretch them into some sort of doctrine rather than just saying there's a God that, that there's a God of encounter, which again gets back to I and thou. That was Buber's central thing, that, that life is encounter. That was his big thing. We are here to encounter, encounter each other and encounter God. And um, I mean, uh, where's the sense of encounter in, 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 in really in evangelism? There's, there's a sense of, uh, you know, enlistment. Conquer, not encounter. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. Paul Young when he came to speak just after the book, The Shack, was written, and uh, a church invited him to speak. There was a Bible college that was really upset he was coming, and they were going to come to it. They knew there was going to be a Q&A afterwards or a Q&R, questions and responses. <laughs> and so um, um, they, they were ready with their list of accusations and trying to call him out for his horrible theology. But by the time the evening was over, all Paul did was share his personal story, and you can't argue with that. Yeah, and argue from the personal journey, and your per- here's how I've come to see and how I've arrived at this place. It's such a gentle way to do things instead of trying to dictate and broadcast a, a uh, an absolute. You know, he had some churches that have absolute shotguns or sh- machine guns. All these absolutes you have to believe. Well, well, you know, is it Revelation that said they overcame them by the word of their testimony? Uh, they loved not their lives unto the death, and by the blood of the Lamb, they, that's that's how they overcame. Well, the blood of the Lamb is nothing but Jesus imparting His life, His blood, life into us, His His nature, His essence, and then uh, the word of our testimony is what you just described. That's how we overcome. Because it says right in that passage, it says Satan accuses the brethren day and night. Mm. You know, so they were accusing. So evangelism evangelism is more like Satan, accusing. Holy smokes! It can (laughs) be trouble for that one. It's like it. it, It's like you know, not not all evangelical stuff is bad. I'm not saying that. Correct. There's a part of it that's tone deaf. I think anything when it becomes institutional tends to become tone deaf. And when I say tone deaf, I mean tone deaf to the spirit. Yeah. And it replaces it replaces uh, it replaces uh, organic encounter with the Lord. It replaces that with some sort of protocol. And, uh, it, you know, just where you don't. I mean, protocols teach you how not to listen to the Lord, yeah. you know, because you listen you, to the list. Yes, you listen to the list. I mean, I, I, I took a, an evangelism course called. Uh, uh, what was it called? Um, CWT cross witness training. Yeah, that's what it was. And, you know, and then I did it. And and then I came up with a big, long, uh, a big, long evangelism course. I had a big notebook (laughs) and I got up there in front of a church. You laugh at this. I got in front of a church. I said, we're going to take this, this County for Christ, you know, and uh, six (sighs) months later crickets, you know, and I was so embarrassed. It broke me. You know, it broke me. I thought I had the perfect evangelism uh, thing. And yeah. I went up to Willow Creek and learned some of their methods. Yeah, I did their stuff too. And, uh, but you know what? Somewhere along the way, I stopped hearing the spirit, you know, and I was replacing, I was replacing a form. I was replacing a, a, a form of, uh, over, over an encounter. You don't need the spirit if you've got a program. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, so- and the, the amount of self-restraint it takes to, forfeit control you know and that's why really why institutions go bad there's a lack of courage to 
abdicate control, and which is why they use fear. You know, why, why hell plays, why hell sells is because it lets them use fear and lets them remain in control. But that's why someone like Paul Young and you and, and Bill and so many others, Brad Jerzak and, and so many others that we like and love is that they don't, they're not trying to control anybody, yeah. you know? And uh, they, in fact, they askew control. And, and sometimes you want them to control you. You know, you, you want somebody to come in control me, tell me what to do. Yeah. They won't do it. You know, I put my friend Robert Whitlow's that way, you know, so. Um, it's, but we're, uh, we're it's, also not, we're also not knocking evangelism per se, as far as its root um, or, or origin, because to evangel, to be an evangelist, a speaker of good news. That, that's what it should be, not evangelism, which now becomes a program. So I'm not yeah. missing the sharing Jesus. I'm, I'm challenging motive for the programs to grow the church, the, as in the local institutional church. I, I don't know. I've got a problem with it. Really big problem. I'm, I'm all for Jesus. Let's, let's, but it doesn't sell as well. <laughs> well, well, and you know, it's like what you were saying earlier, though. It, it's, if people have an idea of what the gospel does, but not what the gospel is. Yeah. The gospel is the God is light and it's no darkness. Yeah. What the gospel does is it removes, but, but so they sell evangelism for what it does. They tell you, this is what, right. this is skipping what a step instead of who he is and okay. what his nature is. Because if you become to Jesus, but still think he'll mow you down and, 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 you know, uh, send sickness your way and smite you and curse you and send you to hell and torture you forever. Then you don't know the gospel. That's not the gospel of yeah. life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for this conversation. I, I, folks, I hope that you're, you heard the gospel is about the love of God. The God is light. Like uh, it doesn't take much as you grow mature and as your leaf unfurls, you know, uh, you blossom into a, uh, a more beautiful expression of divine love and grace. It's like our church logo is a tree. We have a seed, a sapling in the tree because we're growing into Christ, becoming fully formed. You know, the tree, it bears fruit. It doesn't, it doesn't try to grow fruit. You don't hear your unfurling plant, you know, with a groaning, I'm trying to unfurl. You don't hear a peach. You don't see a, hear a peach tree groaning in the middle of the night, trying to get peach fuzz out. You know, that doesn't happen. So there's this rest in the plant. In fact, the plant's probably a good, good metaphor for, you know, this is how we grow. This the roots are in different places. You got there's so many analogies you can run with on that one. But yeah, I'll never forget. You know, it's the old charismatic uh, prayer group where they circle up around the guy, you know, praying, and he's really oppressed or whatever. And one of them says, "Come on, brother, hold on, hold on," and the other one is saying, "Let go, brother, let go." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's like the poor guy. Yeah, uh, you know, there's just conflicting stuff. Whatever. Uh, it, it, and, and really subtly, it becomes a works orienting. You got to do this. You yeah. got to do this work. You know, well, do, doing doing's easier because you don't have to think. You don't have to listen. And when you have rules, that's why it says the the law will be on your hearts, not on tablets of stone. Right? Yes. Tablets you look at. You're focused on that. And if you take something and read constantly, then you're you're married to and trusting the document rather than the spirit. Amen. So, Anyway, just a lot, a lot of wisdom there. We got to run. So okay. I look forward to the next conversation with you big time. Uh, hope you all enjoyed this, folks. Uh, share if you liked it. Thanks. Oh, wow. That was better than I remembered. 
Ah, I loved it. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as well. Um, I'm meeting with uh, Bill and Richard uh, tomorrow uh, to record the next couple programs. And today inspired me to suggest we continue on what is the gospel? What is reconciliation? Um, I, I think it's a great and important topic. Um, yeah, just just a heads up. I, I had a conversation with him again about a, a conference that we I was hoping to do in November. It's not going to happen then now. It's going to instead be in January. And it'll, it'll be a good one. I don't know what the title is yet, but it's going to be something like renovating your faith. You know, what are the key... Uh, uh, materials in need for for renovation. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that, that's a good idea. Um, so that's gonna that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and again, evangelism. I, I'm not. I heard you. I hope you heard me say. I'm not dissing sharing Jesus. I do. I share Jesus all the time. I just don't always use the name. I I'm being loving. I am evangelism by way of giving good news. Um, to folks who have this darkness about them. I'm a walking light trying to speak light into, into others. I don't always get it right. I definitely don't always get it right. You should see me drive sometimes. I'm getting better at that, though. That's for sure. But it's just fun to joke about. Um, but this, this message of hope and love, um, if, if it doesn't penetrate your own mind, it's not going to come out. You're just going to zip to a shortcut, call a program, and it'll become an ism uh, versus living the life. Like, really, are you living the life? <laughs> I love it. Um, just a quick hello to a couple of folks watching. Catherine, of course, good morning to you. Um, I love the line, dessert evangelism. That was really funny. Uh, we have somebody listening from India, uh, Kip Jen. I won't try to pronounce your last name. I bad attempt at your first and then buddy fisher of men um by the way buddy what where are you watching from i I have no clue um lots of great comments from you on youtube so i'm getting comments on facebook and youtube and we're streaming on four different youtube uh, channels or pages as well as twitch so i've got like five streams and i get one thread of comments so i can see them all at once which is really nice um who else Da, 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 Catherine, there he is. Yeah, this is important, Catherine. I, I love this stuff, and I'm looking forward to the next conversations and the conference because I think it's going to really uh, be meaty. We're going to deal with identity. What is identity? Why is that important to the renovation of our faith? Um, we're going to talk about some some of these bigger topics <coughs> without, example, throwing out the Bible. Some folks have deconstructed, so to speak, and totally dismissed the scriptures completely. It's like no, I can't do that. There was a time where clearly I could see how that can happen, but I can't because there's too much good news there and I'm not going to be all dogmatic about it. And what's preventing us from still seeing the scriptures as important, inspiring, and so on. Um, It's those things that hinder us. We need to unlearn Um, and they're faulty, faulty concepts. So yeah, uh, preach the gospel when necessary, use words. Exactly. Uh, that was uh, Francis of Assisi, I believe, who said that. All right, it is uh, time to go. Oh, my goodness, this turns into 45 minutes. I hope you guys have a great week. Pray for Paul um, Gray uh, as he is uh, trying to heal up in hospital right now. And uh, he's, I believe he's on oxygen. Uh, he's not in pain, but he's having a hard go. So just please pray for him. Um, 
as the spirit leads you. So with that, I look forward to seeing you next time on still growing in grace. After all, none of us have arrived, nor will we. And I want this program to be inspiring. I want to inspire joy, give hope and delight in grace. See you next time. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.